right, the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, and verse number 7. Everybody got it? By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet. That's what, that's what prophecy does. That's what prophecy is. Is that it is being revealed things that are not yet. He moved with fear. He moved with fear. Prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Now that word house, the, the translator translators had a choice of words. But that word also means family. It means family. It means household. He moved with fear because of a prophecy. Prepared an ark to the saving of his family. By the which he condemned the world and became heir to the righteousness which is by faith. And then drawing your attention over to 2 Peter chapter number 2. Now I'm used to preaching two services, so you're going to get two services worth of preaching. I'm just kidding. But I, I wanted to see the look on everybody's face. Okay. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 4 says, for if God spared not the angels that sinned, that cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. And this is really what I want to preach about here in verse number five. And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person. Everybody said the eighth person. One more time. Please, one more time. I'm hard of hearing. <clears throat> Thank you. A preacher of righteousness bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. And I want to talk to us for a few moments. I really don't anticipate preaching a long time today. But I do want to talk to us for a few moments about the first and the last. The first and the last. All right, one more time. Let's put our Bibles down and let's lift our hands and open our hearts and lift our voices. What an incredible, not just because it's Father's Day, but because we have congregated together. And what a beautiful situation that is. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus. We pray that you'll open up the windows of heaven and deposit something in every life, in every heart, in every human spirit, in our minds. Enrich us, direct us, lead us and guide us, convict us, reprove us. We ask it in the name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen. One more time, let's clap our hands, and then you may be seated. Woo! My. 
My. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Praise God. This phraseology or phrase, the first and the last, is one that is familiar in Scripture. There's probably already some of you that are under the sound of my voice that are students of the Word of God, and you're probably already rehearsing in your mind where some of these occasions are. However, this phraseology does not mean the same thing everywhere. It is, it is not unanimous in its meaning. But very quickly here, I want to look at several usages of this before we proceed. One of them is found in the book of Luke, chapter number 13, verses 28 through 30. And it is describing, in this particular context, it is talking about the straight gate. And um, it's talking about the wide gate, how that that is uh, purely pedestrian. And it is um, an illustration of the world. And then it is juxtaposing uh, the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. And then in verse number uh, 28 through 30, the Bible says, And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and ye yourselves thrust out. And they shall come from the east. Now, verse 29, verse 28 is talking about a Jewish lineage. We know that because of the usage of Abraham Isaac and Jacob, Jacob, the patriarchs of Judaism. However, juxtaposed against that in verse number 29 could be talking about a Gentile revival. Look at verse 29. And they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. Verse 30. And behold, there are last which shall be first and there are first which shall be last. Now that is talking about that the message of salvation was first provided to the Jews. Okay? And so they were the first. And um, in, in order, the, the Gentiles received this message after the Jews, so they would be the last. And so the Bible is saying this, that there are the last which shall be first, talking about the Gentile church that will actually be first, and then the Jews which will be last. Somebody said, praise the Lord. That's one usage. And then in the book of Mark, chapter number 10. Mark, chapter number 10. Begin reading in verse number 24. The Bible said in verses 24 and 25, And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle 
um, than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now this particular uh, scripture in verse number 25 has been much translated and there, there are various schools of thought um, interpretationally about what that means. There is actually a gate that goes into the city of Jerusalem that is called the eye of the gate that is so narrow and so small uh, that um, stories have it that even a camel could not get through the city gate unless all of the, all of the possessions and everything that was on Camels are a beast of burden, so things were strapped on a camel. A camel they had to be completely stripped down. The camel had to get onto its haunches and then inch its way through the eye of the needle. And then there are some that believe that this is a literal translation, meaning that a rich person cannot get into heaven, um, and it would be as if taking a huge camel, which is about seven feet at the shoulder, and try to thread it through the eye of even an archaic needle. And of course it would be impossible. And you get the picture here that it's impossible for somebody that is rich to enter into the kingdom of God. And then in verse number 30, it gives us a little bit more information. It says, but he shall receive an hundredfold. Now it's talking about a person that lays down everything to get into the kingdom of God. In, in contrast to the person that has lands and houses and money and wealth and whatever. And I'm not taking a pot shot at people that are wealth, wealthy. You probably worked hard for that. It's a good thing. But to think that you can just walk into the kingdom of God just because you were able to be successful in this world, uh, you've got another thing coming. And then Jesus juxtaposes that in verse number 29. He said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that has left their house or their brethren or their sisters or their father or their mother or their wife or their children or lands for my sake and the gospel. Listen, if you get into this and you gave everything to get into this, listen to what God guarantees to you for making those kind of sacrifices. But he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters. What that's trying to say is there's some people under the sound of my voice that you need to let go of some things so you can get to where God is calling you to be. And then once you agree to get there, God says, I'm going to give it all back to you. I'm going to open up the windows of heaven and I'm going to pour it all over you. Clap your hands and give him praise. You're trying to hang on to those things thinking, I don't know, I don't know if I want to give this up because I've, I've, I don't know if I have enough faith or trust to do what God's asking me to do. God says, just throw it to the side because I promise you, you're going to get lands and houses and brethren and riches and influence and character and faith and hope and love. Somebody clap your hands and give him praise. But that's not the last statement. The last statement is found in verse 31. But many that are first shall be last, and the last first. Meaning that there are some people that are rich in this world that received an invitation to come into this. And I'm not talking about necessarily money. There's even poor people that do not want to lay down just the little bit that they do have. But the illustration is saying that those that receive this invitation first and would not let go, there will be others that come into this and will receive everything. And the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Someone said, praise the Lord. 
And so this phrase, that the first and the last, is used uniquely different in different places. And one more, um, I hate to bore you with this, but we just want to give one more just to show you the multiplicity of usage here. Matthew chapter number 20. And this is a very interesting usage of this, of this verbiage. In Matthew chapter number 20, verse number 9, and when they came, they were hired about the 11th hour. They received every man a penny. And when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a penny. Um, I'll just, so we don't go through every single verse, I'll just tell you this. There were some people that got into this very early on. They were hired for a specific amount of money. They were told what they were going to get. Their reward was already defined. And then it came to the 11th hour. And the farmer, the field owner, whoever, uh, was desperate to get the job done. And so he hired some people at the last minute. And he hired them for the exact same amount. Well, at the, at the time when it came to give everybody their pay, the people that had been around for a lot longer had a problem seeing that the people that were hired in the 11th hour got the same amount that they got. And they, they said something about it. They said, you know, we've been out here working, and these people just got here. They're just new converts, and I've been in this all my life, and I, I think that I should be getting more. And the explanation that the Lord is using here is we already agreed that when you came in here that God was going to heal your body. God was going to save your family. And God was going to keep you from the devil. And God was going to do all this. And we shouldn't, be, we shouldn't uh, feel like we should get more. I'm just happy to be in this. Oh, let's clap our hands and give him praise. I might be the pastor of this church but I am not more important than anybody that's in this world. I just made a decision and a set of choices, and I am blessed because of it. Clap your hands and give God the praise. The Lord ends up with this in verse 16. He says, so the last shall be first, and the first last. Many are called, but few choose hallelujah and so my point for going through all of this is to reveal to us that this phraseology although it is common is used in different places to make different points and the reason that I wanted to take the time to go through that is because there is a preeminent usage in this particular uh, phraseology that uh, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. In Revelations chapter number 1, verse number 11, Jesus is introducing himself to John on Patmos, and this is what he says. He says, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. If we would continue to read... Jesus would also uh, say, I am the beginning and the end. Now, it is unique to me that Jesus would say that he is the first and the last. I understand when he says, I am Alpha 
and I am omega. That is the first letter of the Greek language, and omega is the last letter or word that is being described in the Greek language. And so Jesus, being the word of God, manifests in the flesh. He is saying that I, I am everything. I am every language. I am every word. I, I'm, I, I fulfill all of that. But he said that I am the first and the last. What is interesting is, is that in the book of Genesis, chapter number 3 and verse number 20, Adam calls his wife Eve. She was the mother of all living. And it is interesting to me that Adam, whose name simply means man, that's what it means. Adam means man. That Adam was, without a shadow of a doubt, the very first man. But it did not say that Adam was the last man. Even as a prototype, even as a pattern of the entirety of the human race, everybody that is born into this world is born into the family of Adam. You need to understand that, that there's been no genetical variance whatsoever. Is that we are all the children of Adam, if you please, in the sense that we are all human beings just like Adam was a human being. But the Bible never says that Adam was the first and the last. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, beginning in verse number 47, this is what the Bible says. The first man is of the earth. You remember that Adam was formed of the dust of the earth. But the second Adam is the Lord from heaven. Some biblical translators believe that the first Adam and the second Adam were identical twins. They looked exactly the same. And that the first Adam, although he was, he was developed of the dust of the ground, the second Adam, which was Jesus Christ, the word of God manifests in the flesh. He is the second Adam. Look at verse number 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul, but the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. The first Adam is of the earth, earthy. He is of the dust. But the second Adam is of the Spirit of God. And so nobody that's ever going to go into heaven is going to get into heaven with only the first Adam. You have to have different genealogy. You have to have different genetics. You have to have different DNA or else you're going to perish. The, G the DNA of this world is all going to be burned up. It's all going to be perishable. But when you have the DNA that is from another world, you are in the kingdom of God. You are of the second Adam. You are of the first and you are of the last. Clap your hands and give him praise. Hallelujah. I think that's pretty cool. The first Adam. And that is probably the most salvific usage of the term the first and the last. When Jesus said, I am the first and the last, he was the prototype in the mind of God. In the mind of God before any creation took place, before God spoke worlds into existence. In the mind of God, the logos of God, 
He had a dream. He had a plan. He had a program, and that prototype was man. And so when Jesus came on the scene, he was the last man in every human being that's born in the human race. And I don't know how these guys figure all this stuff, so I'm just getting the numbers out there, but there are, there are biblical creationists, biblical scientists that believe that by the time this thing all wraps up, there will have been 39 billion human beings that, that lived on this planet. And everybody is born into the first Adam. And the only way you get out of here is you have to be born again according to the second Adam. The first, first time I was born, it was December 11th, 1954. I know I don't look that old, so don't look so surprised. But it was in Oakland, California. Born to Charles and Shirley Mayo. But bless your heart, in December of 1984, I was born again according to the second Adam. And that's what I'm doing here today. I'm here today because of the second Adam. I'm going to heaven because of the second Adam. I've got healing in my body because of the second Adam. I have victory in my soul because of the second Adam. I've got power because of the second Adam. Clap your hands and give them praise. Hallelujah. And I realize that I just preached that twice. But I'm excited about that. Some of you I haven't seen in a while. So I need to preach to you a while. That's, I shouldn't do that. That's, our visitors are going to think, man, that's a weird church. <laughs> Honey, we might be weird, but we're saved. <laughs> you ain't ever seen anybody in a mall lift their hands and talk in a language of men and of angels from another world. You ain't never seen anybody run the aisles with joy in their heart. You ain't, oh, come on, somebody. You ain't going to see that out there in this world. That is the world that's governed by Adam. Oh, let's clap our hands one more time and give him praise. Hallelujah. All right, Pastor. This is Father's Day. I know that. So what's all this stuff got to do with me? That's a great question. Our friend Noah exists in a world that has become entirely corrupt. Once again, biblical historians and scientists, you know, science is not against the Bible. As long as, you don't, as long as you don't try to tell me that we came from monkeys. There are some scientists that absolutely believe that the word of God is true. But they believe that at the time of Noah, 
right before the flood that there were 300 million human beings that lived on the face of the earth. The Bible tells me that Noah found grace in the sight of God. He had three sons. They were all married. Noah was married, of course. And the Bible said that Noah found grace. Now, we're not going to do a lengthy Bible study on this, but the world had become so corrupt that every single imagination of man's heart was only evil continually. You know, it almost looks like we're headed back to that. And God said, it has made me sorry that I made man. And so God pronounced judgment on the entirety of the world, every living thing. And he said, I will destroy this world. In Genesis chapter 6, verses 14 through 16, you're welcome to follow along with me. I wish you would. The Bible says, God is talking to Noah. He says, make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark and shall pitch it. That word pitch is almost identical to the concept of caulking. When you, when you put caulking to caulk, around a window and you're trying to keep the moisture out. To pitch it means that you are filling in the gaps of wood to make it watertight and resilient to water. But this is God instructing Noah, make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make it in the ark and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt Make it, the length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. A cubit is the distance from your elbow to your fingertip. Typically, it's 18 inches. And so, they believe that the ark was between 450 and 500 feet long. But look how detailed God is. He said, the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it shall be 50 cubits, the height of it shall be 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make in the ark in a cubit. Thou shalt finish it. Now you remember what it said in the book of Hebrews about this occasion. Where God is talking to Noah. And the Bible says that Noah moved with fear. Gopher wood was... A specific kind of a wood. We're not going to go in and break all this down, but it would suffice us to say that God had very specific instructions of what it would take to keep you safe on the inside and keep the danger and the catastrophe on the outside. Stick with me. Gopher wood was not all that easy to work with. And we talked last week in, in our Sundays, in both services, we talked about 
the wisdom of the trees. And um, the cedars of Lebanon were an incredibly famous wood because for all the properties we mentioned last week. And gopher wood was not that easy to work with. But it was not left to Noah what type of wood to use if you're talking about the saving of your family. Okay? And then, and then God says you have to pitch it. And this type of pitch was a, a special, uh, it, it was a special material, material that was mixed, that was all organic, but it had, it had watertight insulating properties like either slime um, or, or some kind of organic property that was found at that time uh, in which every single slat on that boat for 450 feet and, and, and 80 feet wide and 65 feet tall and everything had to be done according to the pattern. Noah didn't try to cut corners. I'm preaching to fathers today that you cannot cut corners if you're going to save your family. You cannot leave it to personal preference if you're going to save your family. You are talking about the saving of your household. Hallelujah. What makes this even more interesting is the fact that it never rained up until Noah's flood. Rain was a brand new experience for the human race. And so now Noah is being involved with things that he has never personally experienced himself. He may have had the dew of the morning. And I've been in places up in the mountains. And I'm going to tell you, when you get up and you get ready to get out on that early morning hunt, the dew is like it rained all night long. It'll be gone by 8 o'clock in the morning through the, through the process of evaporation and just the day warming up as the sun comes over the meridian and begins to warm the day. But I'm going to tell you something. This involves something that Noah had never experienced before, that the general population of the world had never experienced before, and Noah moved with fear. He said, you know what? I don't like what's going on in the world. The world's an evil place. The world is into imaginations that are evil and filthy, but you ain't getting my children, but you ain't getting in my house, but you ain't getting in here. And God said, that's what I need to build an ark that's going to bring on the judgment of this world. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Hallelujah. And so God is going down his list. And I can just see Noah. Noah's going, okay, yeah, okay, God, yes. And Noah's trying to write it down. It's maybe perhaps ancient Sumerian, which is uh, the, the oldest language known to man, is, is Sumerian. All you need is two different vowels or two consonants to have a language. And, and, and Noah is writing down these instructions. He wants to make sure he gets it right. He wants to make sure he's accurate. He wants to make sure that he... And he said, listen to what the Bible said. The Bible said that he was a preacher of righteousness. This is the largest constructed human... This is even before the pyramids. And there was people from round about that came to see this monstrosity. I actually saw a picture. I think it's in Tennessee or Kentucky that somebody made a life-size replica of the ark. And it's gigantic. It's huge. It really is. It's almost as big as our new building. Wink, wink. Not going to be near as nice, trust me. 
Hallelujah. But the Bible said that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. There were people that came from all over and said, you know what? Uh, some of the neighbors have gotten together and we're kind of tired of looking at this thing every single morning. Is that Sister Carol? How are you doing? Nice to see you today. You have to forgive me. This is a home dog from Sacramento. Praise the Lord. Good to see you today. Hallelujah. There were neighbors that came from all over the place said, you know what? We're tired of the banging every single day. All we hear is, is, is a saw going. You, your boys are helping you. And I hear, I hear crude instruments going and somebody's banging on a piece of wood every single day. We are tired of looking at this thing. We are tired of hearing the noise. And Noah would call down to them, you guys better get ready. It's getting ready to rain. And God's going to destroy everything. I wonder why old brother so-and-so don't run to go to the bar with us after work. Hey, guys, we got prayer meeting. That's why I don't go to no bar. And I'm not doing none of that stuff because I've been called out of that. Come on, dads. You're going to save your household if you do it according to the pattern. You can't just say, well, I'm just going to do it any way I want to and just believe God to save me and God's going to heal me and God's going to deliver us. No, 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 no. you got to do it exactly the right wood, exactly the right length, exactly the right width, that you're going to save your children. You're going to bring on the judgment of the entire world. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Hebrews chapter 11 verse number 7 said that Noah moved with fear and God said to Noah behold after he gave him all the instructions in verse number 18 of Genesis 6 but with thee will I establish my covenant and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. God never established a covenant with a woman. In fact, God never even talked to a woman. God spoke to Adam, and Adam talked to Eve. God spoke to Noah, and Noah spoke to his wife. God spoke to Abraham. Abraham talked to his wife. The only time that Sarah ever had a conversation with anything supernatural is when an angel was outside her tent and said, I heard you laughing inside your heart. And she said, I didn't laugh. She was smart enough to let God have the last word. There's some people that want to argue with God. I want to tell you what I learned a long time ago. You let God have the last word. God, whatever you say, that's true. God, whatever you call it, that's the way it is. God, if that's what, come on somebody, I'm preaching right now. You want to argue with God. You want to argue with an angel. You ought to just say, God, that's right. I did that. I'm guilty. I need the blood. I need forgiveness. I need power. I need grace. Someone clap your hand and give God the praise. You're not going to justify yourself. You're not going to excuse yourself. Just say, God, you're right, and I need grace. Come on, let's clap our hands and give him praise.
This is where it gets cool. Genesis chapter number 7. Brother Tristan. And verse number 7. And Noah went in and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Don't you know that once that ark was completed and it started raining, that there were people that started coming around. You had, had never, nobody asking for special prayer, nobody asking to have a little Bible study, nobody asking about anything but God. But now that the problem comes, they're not all starting to bang on the side of that thing. Come on, man, let me in. Come on, man. Hey, you got to have room in this big old thing for me. Genesis chapter 7, verse number 13. In the selfsame day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. The Bible is saying this over and over again, that there was a time when Noah entered in. And then verse number 23, and every, every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and creeping things and the fowl of the heaven, and they were destroyed from the earth, and Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. There's going to come a time where you're, the, you're either in the church or you're not. Let's lift our hands right now and just pray for a minute. This is where I wanted to get all day, and I'm almost done. I'm closer to being done than you probably want me to be. Thank you. Almost done. So what is the point of the title of this message? The first and the last. The Bible said in 2 Peter chapter number 2 that Noah was the eighth person. Y'all with me out there? Give your, give your neighbor a gentle nudge and say, the eighth person. What's interesting about that is, is that Noah was the first person. God didn't have a conversation with his wife. God didn't have a conversation with his sons. God didn't have a conversation with his son's wives. God had a conversation with Noah. I know it's Father's Day. I know right where I am right now. This is exactly where I need to be, right here. You need to hear. If you haven't paid attention all day, do it right now, and I'm almost done. It's going to be painless, like that first shot that you got when you were a year old. The crying and the screaming in those places. Okay. Noah was the first to get the prophecy that there's going to be destruction and now I have a requirement 
If my family's going to be safe, God is never going to talk to my family. God's not going to talk to my wife. He's not going to talk to talk to my sons, at least this side of the flood. He's not going to talk to their wives. God spoke to the head of the house. I had a man call me here a while back. He said, Brother Mayo, he's a pastor friend of mine. He said, Brother Mayo, I need you to pray for me, and this is going on, and that's going on. And I said, I'll definitely pray with you. But I said, listen, you are, you are fulfilling three roles from God. And that is, is that you are a husband, and you are a father, and you are the priest of your home. You are a protector. You are a provider. You are a priest. I can, I can pray for you, but God will speak directly to you. It's your wife. It's your children. It's your well-being. It's your, you're the one that's the priest of that home. You're the one that's the provider of that home. Somebody clap your hands. You may say, well, it just doesn't happen that way. I'm telling you, God, if you'll posture yourself, God will speak to you, and it'll change your world. It'll change your outlook. It'll change your inlook. God will speak to you. So God tells Noah what is about to happen. And so he is the first. But he called him the eighth person, which meant he was the last. No, honey, you, you, you go on. I want, I want you to be safe. Come on, come on, Japheth, come on. You and your wife, come on, you get on. Come on, Ham, you and your wife. Dad, come on, get on here. No, I know what I'm doing. God's the one that told me what was going to happen. I'm not putting that on my kids. That is the father's responsibility. You get on there. I want you safe. Noah refused to get on that ark until his wives, the wives of his, of his sons were on there, until his children were on there, until his wife was on there. He said, I'm not getting on that ark. Call me the last. I am the first, and I am the last. I'm not getting on there until my kids are on there. I'm not getting on there until my wife is on there. I'm not getting on there. Come on, Dad. Come on, priest. Come on, provider. God will speak to you. Come on, clap your hands and give God the praise. You, as the head of your household, are supposed to be the first and the last. There's people under the sound of my voice. You're the only one that's here that's saved from your family. I'm going to tell you why God does that. God does that. So that you can be the first. And so you can start praying every, for everybody. And saying, God, I want, my, I want my brothers and sisters to be on here. And God, I want my, my aunts and uncles to be on here. And God, I want my relatives to be on here. That God didn't just save you to pull you out and just say, here, you're a trophy. No, 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 no. God pulled you out so you could start building that ark and saying, everybody's making fun of why we do things the way we do them. We do them to keep the world out. We keep them to keep the devil out. We keep them to keep false doctrine out. you got to put pitch. you got to make it so, come on, somebody. That is the responsibility of the father. It's the dad that is the first and the last. There's a lot of people in our world, a lot of guys in our world that are so weak, they leave it up to their wives to be the spiritual one. Oh, I've seen it. This ain't my first rodeo. 
And I'm not just trying to throw some ballistic statement out there. I've seen it with my own eyes. Where mom's carrying the big, she's got all the kids. She's got, she's got the baby seat, which weighs 35 pounds. And she's got the three kids. She got them all dressed. She got herself presentable. And she's struggling to get to church. Listen, I don't want to see that as the pastor of this church. You take that baby seat. Somebody help me back there. You're the one that's got the muscles. You're the one that's big and bad. Come on, somebody help me out back there. You're supposed to be the first and the last. But I've seen a lot of moms, they have all the kids, they got all the kids ready, and, and she's got the big family edition, you know, the big, the big one that you need a wheelbarrow to carry. She's got the family edition Bible, and she's got the car seat on the, on the other arm, and she's got three kids, four kids that all have snot running out of their nose. She's doing her best to stay on top of it all. God bless her soul, and here comes sad sack about 20 yards behind him, just kind of, you know, looking for a tin can to start kicking. And he, he's just saying, just be glad I'm here. Just be glad. You have, you have aborted your blessing because God's role is you are the first and you are the last and everybody gets in behind. I know this world don't preach that. Welcome to an apostolic one God going to heaven church. Noah was the first and the last. Stand to your feet. Let's lift our hands and let's give God the praise. Come on, man. You ain't supposed to be the first one getting your food. You're supposed to let your wife and kids get fed first. Come on, lift your hands, sir. You're the priest. Come on, dad. Come on, let's lift our hands. Help us. Help us, church. Help us today. Come on, Dad, lift your voice. Let's pray. God's not going to give a word to your wife to save the family. God wants to give you the word to save your family. You're the priest, you're the provider. Come on, somebody, lift your voice. Let's give him praise. Come on, Dad. God wants to give you a prophecy today. God wants to give you a revelation today of why we do what we do and why you're here and what the purpose is of God's program in the earth. The first and the last. And for many men, For many men, you're listening to one right now. It's the first time I ever heard such things. Because men that are programmed in the 20th and 21st century are hedonistic, oftentimes narcissistic. They're in it for the pleasure. But Noah, Brother Daniel, Noah, built an ark to the saving of his family. He was the one that got the revelation. He was the one that God gave instructions to. He was the one that God ordered his steps. 
And as a result of him obeying God, his entire family was saved. Let's lift our hands and give God the praise. God, I pray that you'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out your glory, pour out your power, and pour out your spirit. Come on, let's pray right now. I'm willing to be the eighth person. Just let me get on there. When the destruction comes, just let me be in there. Let my family get in there. Let my children get in there. That's what I'll be. Come on, let's pray. Lift your voice like a trumpet. And let's pray together right now. God will help us. God will strengthen us. God will anoint us. God will bring it all together. I'll say yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. 